under a week from the draft, the prospects, the teams, and fans will be flying to Vegas this week. Those degenerate types, they're there already. This show is for you all. It's The Push-Off. Everybody to a new episode of the Push Off Podcast. It's your favorite weekly NFL show. It discusses everything that happened last week and it gets you ready for the next. I'm your host, Scott Hogan, and joining us as always, it's Dan Flip Them Hips. Right. That's right, Dan. We, I feel like I've used that one before, but it's just so appropriate for this well, one. It's been it's been a five year podcast. We've used a lot of this stuff before. <laughs> if we repeat ourselves, it just means we're consistent. Um we we only have so many draft classes left, uh, positions left for this draft uh, to go God, through. I hope we don't have only so many draft classes, <laughs> classes left. left. Is there yeah. something you need to tell everybody, Scott? And it all just wraps up. Well, no, but we've, you know, we discussed too that uh, all of, you know, the issues, you know, a lot of college students pulling out of their safety reasons. No, no, we're talking about positions. And we are focusing on a very big position this uh I think this year, most years, and it's the cornerbacks today, right? It's an exciting group. Um, I have, you know, we've been talking about elites, been talking oh, about the potential for elites. Potential for elites. We, we've been saying the word elites, but we haven't been talking about any elites. Yeah, we have had zero elites thus, uh, such, uh, or thus far this year. So uh, this is really probably the only, the last position group. I still have to go through my linebackers and running backs, but feeling like this is the last yeah. one so yeah. do we have an elite today that's the big question i'm very excited to hear about it uh, i wonder you we've done this show we talked about this actually off mic about since 2018 we touched on those drafts i'm pretty sure you've had elites each year for that i did you personally have done some prospect looking in previous drafts prior to the podcast right mm-hmm have you ever had a year with no elites? Um, yes, yes. Um, I want, the, I want to say it was, I want to say it was the year two thousand. Want to say it was two thousand twelve. I want to say I can there was a year with no elites, um, but it was just like kind of a fucking shitty one, um. Where is it? Where is it? No, no. 2012 was, oh, my apologies. That's disgusting. That's that was Andrew Luck. That, yeah. Definitely. 2013 um, is. Yes, 20, it was 2013. One. 2013, I had no elites because the number one was Eric Fisher. Uh, Eric Fisher, Luke Jokel, neither one of them got an elite grade. Um, we're talking about Tavon Austin, who had size issues. The closest I would have gotten in that year to an elite grade. If I'm being honest. Yeah, I think the closest I would have gotten to an elite was maybe maybe DeAndre Hopkins. Oh. That would have been as close as I would get, and I, I don't want to lie. 
2013, um, we're talking, that's a long, long time ago. It's, that's racking your brain right there. Yeah. Um, that was a bad one. Last year, we only had three, and two of them were wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, and then Rashawn Slater. And uh, Rashawn Slater, was he only elite as guard? Was he elite as tackle? I forget. So one of the things we talk about when we're talking about elites is, um, and it, it's also a thing that's interesting for corners, is you're elite, which means we know you can play in the league and be really, really good. Sometimes you'll have flex, like a corner who I think might be able to play safety or a safety who I think might be able to play corner, a la Jalen Ramsey who played safety at Florida State and has turned into a premier shutdown corner. When I, you know, we talked about Slater being a guard-tackle combo, but he was an elite player. That means that I don't have any doubts about your ability to transition successfully to whatever in the NFL. Um, When we gave one to uh, Bradley Chubb, you know, we yeah. didn't know if he was going to be a linebacker or, you know, he was going to be an edge or were you going to be a defensive end? What what were you going to be? But we gave him an elite grade because of that, because there was too much talent, too much position flexibility. So Rashawn Slater still has the potential, I think, to be a, a multiple-time all-pro. Well, and, and yeah, none of those three guys had, I would say, a bad scene, uh, rookie year, but it, it, you're right, it's way too early to, to grade them. Uh, and this is our, yeah, this is our guess here on these prospects, but... We looked at, and then the first round, this one's going to be a heavy edge and tackle up front draft. It just looks like it is. And we've done those, and they weren't elites. So, yeah, any of these cornerbacks, are they going to be elites today? We're going to find out. But first, let's talk about some uh, uh, the news. And I think I want to start off with somebody who I believe was one of your elites. Tell me if I'm wrong, Denzel Ward. You know he was, sir. Denzel Ward, an elite, gets a big extension. This happened maybe uh, over a week ago, but it, we haven't talked about it. Five years, a hundred and a point and a half, a hundred and a half million dollars. He gets 71 and a quarter of that guaranteed. Makes him the highest paid cornerback in NFL history. Denzel Ward's kind of an interesting cat in that corner is a position where you don't usually have a guy that's like unknown. That does a great job, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, for the case of Darrell Revis, he wasn't much of a talker, but he did such a good job in New York that, of course, everybody pubbed him up. Jalen Ramsey, Deion Sanders, these guys are self-promoters uh, of the very first order. Denzel Ward has just been consistently good, consistently one of the best players at his position for the past four years, um, and it's been phenomenal. He's done such a really good job for them. It's uh People don't talk about how much better he made Cleveland's defense and has. Like, that was a lights-out, knockout draft pick. What a great job they did there. And then they proceeded to fuck up a bunch of other stuff, but great job on that one. Um, That pick was fourth overall in 2018. It was not even the first pick Cleveland made that day. Nope. That is uh, Baker Mayfield, whom they're desperately trying to trade away at this time. Um, (laughs) God, Denzel Ward's getting all of that money and a bunch of it guaranteed. Where are they finding all this guaranteed money, given that Deshaun's getting so much, too? Uh, Another neat connection between this is Ward was selected with the pick the Texans traded the Browns so that they could draft Watson the year before that. In 2017. And now they're on the same team. Look at that. 
and somehow the Browns are reaping the benefits? I don't understand this. <laughs> Does, <laughs> this Browns is, aren't supposed to benefit from anything. But that's like that's such a neat little uh, trade of, of draft picks for a cornerback who's now going to be the highest paid one in the league. And that, again, connects us to the NFL draft, which is just under a week away. Get excited, listeners. God, Get excited. I can't wait. Can't um, wait. It's next Thursday. Yeah, I know. I know. And we got, yeah three core uh position groups to get through so we're, we're running it thin but uh we're gonna do it um here's another cornerback news malcolm butler remember the name he is unretiring and returning to the patriots and bill belichick now this is interesting right because we've had this conversation it's been a bit but we talked about it was one of your most interesting uh, uh theories if i remember dan of what happened to Malcolm Butler. You'll you'll have to you'll have to remind me because I'm I say so much crazy shit on this show. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so this was a yeah, you're right because it was again over a year and change ago when we were questioning why did Malcolm Butler get benched basically for was it a Super Bowl or championship game? It was in the playoffs or Super Bowl and he just didn't play. And there was this big old question then the next year he was gone. I think he was off to Titans or whatever. Yeah. This would have been three years ago. He did something to Belichick. What did he do? And and, and you go like, it's going to come to find out that, you know. And, and I, well, I have to go back and really listen to it. But this is just me on, uh, I think, my top of my head. You're like, Belichick, you know, at some point he was in the locker room and he bent down, picked something up, and Malcolm Butler couldn't uh, – uh, help himself. Put his <laughs> finger up his butt. <laughs> what? Yeah, just, oh, I do remember this. You know, again, he had to be traded. He had to be benched. No one knows. No one needs to know. But that's what we'll find out. It's something weird. <laughs> this stays between you and me. And now, years later, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe Bill's lady's been poking around the old prostate, and he's like, you know what? Malcolm was trying to show me the way. That's what he was trying to do. So yeah, I think uh, I think we'll have him back, and maybe we'll have a few more rendezvous in the locker room. Maybe that'll work. I have to find that clip again. We'll see if I can post it. Uh, that episode, yeah. Good luck. I'll, I'll just pick that one randomly <laughs> through <laughs> through, was, uh, through the annals of time. Yeah, it was some off season or Super Bowl. It might have been a Super Bowl post one. I don't remember. Must have been. Yeah, must have been. We'll find it. We never got benched. Um, Okay, let's wrap up the news. Uh, Debo Samuel requesting the trade. What do you think about Mm -hmm. this? I think it makes sense. I'm surprised that he's not requesting the trade as a component of potentially using it as a deal leverage. But but he has apparently come forward and just said, do not re-sign me. Do not give me an offer. I don't want to be here anymore. That's wild. Okay, I didn't know that. I I knew that he called off discussions and was like, I I don't want – or yeah, he called the discussions at the time, but I thought there was always a chance of like, yeah, but then they offer him to even more than Christian Kirk money, and he's like, all right, all's forgiven. I mean, Debo is striking when the iron's hot. The, it probably won't get no hotter for Debo. He was their offense uh, last year, and I don't think they can afford to lose him, honestly. No, I don't think so either. I mean, he is uh, he is the engine that drives that foam. It is uh, it is him, man. He is the best offensive player they have, and I know George Kittle's on that team, but he's the best offensive player they have. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. He yeah. Uh, if he gets traded, he oh, there's a little tidbit. He has the same agent as AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. 
Ooh, somebody's making lots of money this year. I know. Well, wide receivers are. Wide receivers make a ton of money. I mean, honestly, I think Justin Jefferson would be one of these guys, too, that's like, um, I'm also going to get paid, right? If it wasn't a year right before, he can ask for it, you know? Yeah. It's, it's next year where he's eligible, and they'll have to just jump on that, that grenade. But um, the so there's a 3D thing about this. Are the Jacksonville Jaguars, here's our Jaguar news for the week. Are the Jaguars playing 4D chess with this Christian Kirk hire? They can't. They're not beating these teams on the field, so they're weakening these teams from the inside. Because <laughs> ever since that signing, you got Jam- you got Devontae Adams is out of Green Bay. You got uh, Tyreek Hill is out of uh, Kansas City. Now here, you know Debo's going. Like this is going to kill these. Set the market. Team. Yeah. They're like, you know what? This is a way we can hurt them much more than just building a good team. We'll give a mediocre wide receiver a bunch of money, and all of the good ones get just blown up out of proportion. Well, it's it's an interesting way that they're like, like this is the equivalent of economic sanctions on Russia, where they're like, we're not going to get directly involved and compete with you head-to-head, but oh yeah, we're going to ruin your economies. The, and yeah. the Saints are like, we don't give a shit. Our salary cap's never been real. It's fine. <laughs> we'll pay fair. anybody anything. It doesn't We've matter. It. Yep. The seller crap is fake. It's all fake. We actually loaned Cleveland money somehow. That's <laughs> how they're paying for all this. Um, and then finally, uh, we got some wrap-ups of announcers. Mm-hmm. Um, because Al Michaels is going specifically to Thursday Night Football with Kirk Herbstreet. That's the only Gotta time love the Herbie. these guys will be on. I mean, it sounds like my favorite uh, announcement group because yeah we love Herb Street and Al Michaels has always been there for for my years um, he's been great who takes over with Chris Collinsworth Mike Tirico Mike Tirico stepping in and uh, Michelle DeFoy is <sighs> I out we were rid of him yep Michelle DeFoy is out like we talked about too um, last uh, few you know episodes back Melissa Stark will be the lead on the sidelines uh, for Sunday night football. Yeah, Mike Tirico's fine. It's just I feel like he does, he's not a Vikings fan. I hear it in his voice anytime he does calls the games. <laughs> I'll just deal with that, but he's fine. Um, and then, oh, NFL schedule. The full schedule will be out May 12th. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll obviously have something after the, uh, the draft, and then we'll see uh, the schedule stuff and how much news comes out of that. Nice. Okay. Dan, that's it. That's the news. I belabored long enough. It's time to talk about these shutdown guys. Uh, hopefully there are some shutdown guys, but the cornerbacks, uh, the prospects here, my Vikings have been, you know, they, this is one of the guys they, they, they want. Patrick Peterson might not have so many more years there. He needs to teach the young guys something. So here I guess we want, as we've been doing with all of the prospects, I want you to start with your favorite, the guy who jumped okay. off the page for you, who is the number one cornerback in the room. So my number one quarterback in the, or sorry, cornerback in yeah. the room, just so happens to be Ahmad Sauce Gardner. All right, Sauce I, I, out of Cincinnati. Good. I was looking at this tape, being like, nah. I was like, it's a thin. He's a tall, skinny guy mm. that plays in Cincinnati. How good could he be? I will tell you this. The comparison that people have made is that he's a faster Richard Sherman. Yep, I got that. Pretty, pretty fucking good. Pretty solid. The The level of competition is really, really good. Um, 
His ability to read coverage is really good. I will say this. I cannot give him the ranking of elite. There it is. Because I do not believe that he has scheme flexibility. I think this is a heavy zone corner. I don't think this is a guy that's going to run full man-to-man long-term. That's rough. Okay, that's rough because man-to-man, I think, is coming more into vogue, right? I mean, you can't count on a guy just to be a zone uh, cornerback on the outside. I think you gotta, he, you have to, especially if you want him as your number one guy, you got to hope that he can m- mark up on their best wide receiver sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that hurts a little bit. But, yeah, you got to like his uh, his size. And, I I mean, I like his mirroring from what I saw. He was 6'3". You're right, 190 is pretty small. Um, the NFL comparisons was Richard Sherman. I also got Dominique Rogers cromartie without the extracurricular. <laughs> well, except I don't know. He's young. We'll see what he decides I, to do with him. I think I actually think Dominic Rogers Cromartie is a is a great one. Cromartie was faster than he was. Okay. Um, coming out, of, what is he? Middle Tennessee State, I believe. Oh, I don't um, know. Cromartie was faster than he was, but he has a much more developed uh, zone coverage capabilities. The issue that I see with Sauce Gardner is if you're on the outside and you're going, he's got the speed to stay with you. He's got the length to keep it. It's he's going to have problem with. Uh, quick movement. He's going to have problem with uh, small slot corners. If they move small slot corners to the outside, they're going to give him problems because he doesn't he doesn't have those fluidly like those Patrick Peterson hips that you're looking for when you give a guy an elite grade, you know. Yeah. But still, is a is going to be a competent corner. This is a guy that I think you could take with a top ten pick and not feel real bad about it. Um, you know, this is a top ten corner. Yeah, oh no, his mocks are going anywhere from uh, second overall. I mean, they, to Detroit, to uh, okay. you know, he's not getting by the Vikings at twelve. If, no, uh, I can't imagine he would. Yeah, so any of these up in there, he's going to go. Yeah, the it's the only ones that are going to go ahead of Gardner. It seems are edge rushers or tackles, and maybe not even tackles if you really want to shut down corner. Well, you want a corner. I keep saying shutdown. Is he going to be a shutdown guy? You say he's more I, of his own guy. So, I, But I think that can very much be a shutdown guy. I mean, Richard Sherman was a shutdown corner for a long time. He just happened to play his zone. But yeah. if you went into his zone, you didn't come out with the football. And I think that's something that I really liked watching Gardner's play is you did not throw to his side. And if you threw to his side, you didn't throw to his man. And if you threw to his man, it's because he wasn't on him. Yeah. You know, either you ran a bubble screen or something like that, and he was a good tackler for a slightly built man. That's the other thing that does kind of worry me is, you know, he's six foot three, he's 190 pounds. He looks spindly, mm-hmm. you know, and he's running a 4'4 four four at 190 pounds, six foot three. You know, he's not quite in the Devontae Smith level skinny, mm. but, uh, you know, this is a guy that if you run at him, you know, his run coverage was good, but it wasn't you know, rare. It was just, oh, he's a he's a corner that doesn't mind hitting because he's a big enough guy. But, you know, he's he's got to put some weight on. He's He's got to add some size to play. I mean, he'll have to play at like 205. Love the name Sauce Gardner. Everyone just calls him Sauce. Like most things are just set. It's not a mod even on there. It just says Sauce Gardner. Uh, yeah, he's going to fit in well, and uh, I'm excited to see where he goes. You're right. He's going to go very early on Thursday. Um, first cornerback off the board, first position probably other than tackle and edge, uh, maybe even before 
tackle, depending on where what where people start going. Yeah. Um, very uh, high, yeah. very high floor for okay. for Sauce Gardner. I don't think there's even the chance that you'll miss on Sauce Gardner because worst case scenario, you slide him into free safety and he'd be one of the better ones in the league. Nice, okay. Um, but he's not elite. And not I think elite, sir. What's that telling us is that there probably is not going to be an elite in the 2022 draft. Not as far as I've been able to deduce in this class. Um, Sauce was my best chance, but I do want to talk about the next guy because I was so fucking close. Okay. So close to naming this player an elite prospect. And, you know, uh, I think the plan is next week to give us time to do like a mock drafts where we'll answer that question of like, okay, if there's no elites, who's, who goes early? Who, who do we like early? Who's these top, top guys? Uh, yeah, who's the next guy, though, on your cornerback list? Let's keep this train rolling. So it it was almost a tie between uh, Trent McDuffie and Derek Stingley Jr. Wow, okay. But I have to give it to Derek Stingley Jr. for several reasons. From a height-weight-speed standpoint, Derek Stingley is a prototype corner. He is like Patrick Peterson, you know, wore the 7 at LSU, Height, weight, speed, absolutely doing everything you need. When he ran a four three seven for his forty, I think it eliminated a lot of questions about Derek Stingley's athleticism, about Derek Stingley's top end speed. Um, Derek Stingley is is cursed by two things. Um, he has had a bad two years. His freshman tape. When you watch his freshman tape, you're like, oh, this is a top five pick in the NFL. This is an elite prospect. Mm-hmm. But over the past two years. He has only played in 10 games. Yeah. And he's only played in 10 games, and he hasn't really been the spark plug for the LSU defense like you want him to. Um, when Joe Burrow was on the other side of the offense and teams had to throw just to keep up with him, Derek Stingley was a fucking nightmare. Yeah, that was the year he, for him, right? Oh, yeah. If he had been able to come out as a freshman, he would have been a top five pick and would have deserved to. You know, he's six foot tall. He's going to play at 200 pounds, uh, four three seven speed, great hips. Uh, comes from an athlete background. His uh, his grandpa played in the league. His dad played minor league baseball. Um, this guy is... There are moments when you see him on film where you're like, oh, he's the most talented athlete on the field in the SEC. Hmm. And then there's other times when he's in man coverage and you will see a guy make a pretty basic fucking stop and go and Derek Stingley is like in the fucking... in the stands. Um, he's just not reading it well. He's not tracking it well. Um, I, I felt like he seemed really, really rusty on tape these last two years. Um, and for that, it it's one of those guys, I, NFL.com has him listed as a boom or bust. I don't think it's a boom or bust. I think he's going to boom. It's just to what level will he boom and will these uh, injury issues haunt him because it's a Lisfranc injury. Yeah, Lisfranc And Lisfranc injuries year, can... Right? But those can linger, dude. Uh, that one can give you trouble for a long, long time. I mean, you can ask uh, fucking Saquon Barkley. You can ask Eli Manning how his Lisfranc wound up going. It it really does linger for a long, long time. I bet that's scaring people, uh, his name off boards, I'm sure, because uh, it's so early that you just go, no, we'll go somebody else that early. Um, but you're right. Uh, there was the, the tape that he has put on, which was is just amazing when healthy, and they're like, you know, if this guy can do that, then it's worth it kind of thing. So I think that's what everyone's hoping. He has been one of the main guys that was uh, mocked to the Vikings at 12. I don't know if he's going to make it that far. I mean, 
people fall in love with different cornerbacks. Uh, I think we thought, I don't think we, we thought, um, who went to Denver last year? Uh, Sertan would be yep. going to go first. And instead it was the South Carolina guy going to Carolina. JC Horn. Yeah. Horn. So you fall in love with their cornerbacks in different ways. I don't think anyone's going to sauce is probably going to go first. Derek Stingley was the other option, honestly, of people going, eh, I like Stingley more. Uh, I think it's going to be more what you're saying, Dan, is that they might like Trent McDuffie due to Stingley's injury stuff. Maybe So maybe he falls. If he's there at 12 and the Vikings take him, what do you think of that pick, Dan? I mean, I have him with a mid-first-round grade. I have okay. him obviously below Sauce Gardner, but that's right about where I see his value being. Um, once again, it, a lot of the stuff for him is going to come down to did you talk to his coaches? Did you, you know, do you feel good about his medical? Yeah. Because, you know, he's a guy with a pedigree. He come, you know, not everybody wears the number seven at LSU. Mm. Almost everybody that wears the number seven at LSU is a pretty fucking good defender. So you got one of them on the team right now with Patrick Peterson. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have the prototype corner in Patrick Peterson, which by the way, I mean, he is like, if you could make a quarterback, a corner from scratch, you'd make Patrick Peterson right. the same way. If you could make a wide receiver, you'd make Megatron. Hmm. Um, but this is, this is a guy that I think is going to be a good player in the NFL. I think it may take him a little bit. I think you're, you're going to have to bring him along slowly and do some technique work. But in terms of, Height, weight, speed, in terms of all the measurables, like if the Raiders were picking in the middle of the first round, he'd be a Raider guy all the way. Okay. Um, NFL comparison I saw for him, actually, both NFL and DraftNetwork.com said the same player, Stefan Gilmore. I actually say a poor man's Patrick Peterson. Um, I... You know, that's the closest one I can give you. I think Stephon Gilmore was longer. I think he was more fundamentally sound in coverage, yeah. but didn't have that top-end athleticism that Patrick Peterson has. I think Stingley has that level of athleticism. Cool. Um, but, you okay, so you kind of tipped your head on who the third one is, and he is kind of moving up draft boards, as I noticed, too. Trent McDuffie out of Washington. Yeah, Trent McDuffie is a guy that... You, you talk about Sauce Gardner having... You know, the weight, or sorry, being a slight man but tall and, you know, definitely going to be able to play uh, zone corner in the NFL. McDuffie is a guy that is going to be a press man, so he's going to be a one-on-one, so that's going to really move his uh, usefulness up quite a bit. Um, but the issue that he has is he's he's 5'11", which isn't terrible, but he's not... He's not a guy with that like deep burner speed. I mean, he ran a four four, and that's what shows up on tape is that sort of four four speed. But he's not a four three guy. Mm. Um, is fundamentally sound. Washington defense has been really good for a number of years, so you know he's getting quality coaching. Yeah. So there's a part of you that wonders if like you know maybe you're just getting a guy that's like a late first round pick and is going to be a kind of doing a yeoman's job, but by but never really have the chance to be exceptional. Um, and to a degree, you always want a player in the first round that you think has a chance to be exceptional. I think Trent McDuffie, once again, is a very high floor guy, but I think the the ceiling is pretty low in that he'll be a really good number two corner for pretty much any team in the NFL. But I don't know. I don't know if he's got that shut down corner in him. You still have him though close to Stingley, so you think uh, mid first round. I, I see him going. Yeah, I see him going mid first round. I give Stingley the edge there. I would expect to see Stingley get taken before him for mm-hmm. the simple fact that, you know, he's 
more athletic. Yeah. Um, but I would not be surprised to see somebody choose a safe route if the medicals on Stingley aren't good and go with McDuffie. Uh, yeah, so, but they have him pretty much in the middle of the rounds as well. You know, cornerbacks are going to go. They, there's a run that usually happens, and if if the the good edge rushers that you've been looking for are off the board, then you you and you're looking for defense, you probably go cornerback next. That's usually what happens. Um, I, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, NFL comparisons. I saw Jari Alexander and Byron Murphy. I like the Byron Murphy one. Um, I mean, obviously they're both Washington, <laughs> former right? Washington guys. That's what they're, I thought too. When yeah. I saw, I was like. Why does Byron Murphy make sense? Oh, yeah, because he's a wildcat? Yeah, the coaching is very, very similar. Uh, Huskies, Washington Huskies. Thank you. I was like, that's not right. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, the coaching is very, very similar. I think that's a that's a good one for multiple reasons. The build is rather similar. Um, you know, he, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think he's quite as tall, but uh, at the same time, the coaching is the same. The technique is very similar. But I I don't see him being that top first round talent. That's that's the one caution I have with him. Uh, before we move on to the next guy, another Washington corner is going into the draft. Kyler Gordon. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't. We're not uh, mocking him. He's going to be a later round guy. But you got two Washington cornerbacks heading into the draft. Trent McDuffie's just the uh, the uh, stud number one on that that team. Yeah, I mean it's. I think he's probably going to wind up playing more of a nickel corner than a, a shutdown outside man because he is very athletic, but once again, doesn't have that top-end speed. Uh, trails well, but they're going to play a lot of man. So if you like a guy who's got potential but maybe will not be an exceptional guy, McDuffie is clearly better than he is, but this guy could go second, you know, early third, worst-case okay. scenario. Neat. Uh, okay, but then there's another guy we like more than him, and he's next on your list. We do. I like uh, Andrew Booth out of Clemson. Andrew Booth Jr., uh, six foot, one ninety four. Mox have him shortly after um, McDuffie. Honestly, not far after him. In fact, sneaking it, sneaking into the late first. Do you have him as a first round talent? I do not. I have oh, no. him as a as a high second. Um, okay. Booth has a couple things that he's uh, that give me pause. So once again, height, weight, speed kind of has everything you're looking for the issue that he has is he is not instinctive doesn't have the best ball skills um and so he is another guy that will get turned by you know quick precise route runners the same way sauce gardner will but gardner has better ball skills gardner has better uh closing speed better anticipation so i think andrew booth is you know a shorter poor man's version of uh sauce gardner I just wonder, so with Andrew Booth, if you're saying he's a early second, you're going to find, or you, you believe there is 32 other better prospects? Is that how you're, you're thinking this in your head? I think there are. Okay. Um, you know, we've we've talked about a bunch of them. There's several at the offensive line position. There's several at the defensive end position. Um there's a at least one quarterback that I think is better. I just um, I don't know if he's... I, and people fall in love with cornerbacks more, and so I can see that being maybe a little bit into the the choice here. But Booth is probably not going to go out of that first round, I don't think. So it depends what the run is. You yeah. know what I mean? If there becomes a run on quarterbacks, 
yeah, if there becomes a run on offensive tackles, if there becomes a run on wide receivers, you could very easily see a guy like that start to fall. I know this sounds a little bit strange, but what if there's a run on safeties? You know, what if Hamilton goes early and then, you know, we have Jaquan Brisker go next? Maybe you think to yourself, hey, I'm not going to get a safety out of this thing. I got to jump. Um, you know, there's a bunch of offensive tackles. There's a bunch of edge guys that have a higher grade uh, than he does. I mean, he's in that George Karlaftis area. Well, and then, yeah, I'm thinking, too, when we went uh, last year, we were talking about the Florida State cornerback um, who was uh, also Asante Samuel son. Jr. Yeah, Samuel Jr. And he, I think he was thought to was probably going to go first round, and he went middle second round to the Chargers. So guys do move around in here. So nothing, I guess, is a guarantee. I'll say that true. Um, okay, so that was Andrew Booth Jr. We got one more of the cornerbacks to look at. We do indeed. Um, I keep going back to Alabama tape because it's just maybe the easiest to find sure, <laughs> when you're sure. talking about defenders. Is a guy named Joshua Job. Okay, uh, Alabama cornerback. Yeah. Uh, f- further down, this is going to be one of our later round guys to talk about. I think he's probably going to go somewhere in the third or fourth round. Okay. Um, you know, this is a guy that was a f- basically a three year starter, but a four year player in Alabama. You know, he's a Miami prospect. He's a Florida kid. Um, he has he has sort of middling uh, body skills. Like, he's only 5'11". He's only about 180 pounds. That shows up on film. He's not hitting dudes with a weight in his ass. Um, but this is a guy that can help you immediately. He played on special teams for Alabama. So he's also going to play special teams for whoever fucking takes him um, and uh, could, could wind up actually returning a few kicks. I don't think he's going to be an elite kick returner, but if you're ever in a spot where you need a guy, he could do it. Um, once again, this is another guy that's got pretty decent speed. I think he ran a 4-5. Um, that's not bad. Like It's not elite corner, but it's not bad. His hips are a little tight, so he's not a great athlete, but this is a guy that is fundamentally sound, going to help you at multiple levels, going to help you kick returns, going to help you in coverage. There's no reason not to take a guy like this to see what you can get out of him in the third, maybe fourth round. Nice, yeah, you're right. And Alabama, that means he's played against some very good uh, players, and, you know, so he's been tested that way too. Uh, I've seen, yeah, Mox have him go around fourth round. There was an uptick after the combine. He must have had a good combine. He did have a good combine, and he looked good in the combine. He he kind of checked a few physical boxes um, in what people were worried about. They worried that he wasn't going to fill out well, that he might have been a bit of like a weight room guy. Um, but he, he didn't – yeah, his, his tape is not terrible because he was nursing an injury for a good chunk of the year, okay. but he played in 12 games, had two interceptions – that's kind of what you're looking for for a mid-round corner is a guy that's had good coaching, a guy that's technically sound. You can bring him in and play him wherever you need to. They're saying he might get drafted right around his teammate in Alabama, Jalen Armour Davis, who's also a middle-round guy. Could go Very right possible. around that same area. Um, Draft Network had a comparison of him of P.J. Williams. Uh, sure. Why not? <laughs> you know, when we're in the fourth round, it's like, yeah, why not? Why not yeah. just PJ Williams? There's probably some PJ Williams in him. You know. Um. Okay, but those are the cornerbacks. We've got Sauce Gardner's number one, uh, and seems with a bullet. After that, it's Derek Stingley, Trent McDuffie. They're they're fighting yep. each other, but Stingley looks pretty good. 
And then you have Booth in the top of the second round. Joshua Joby is our last one that we discussed here today. There's other cornerbacks. These guys are going to go near the top. I'm going to throw some names off at you, Dan. Uh, Elam out of Florida. Probably going to be in that tail end of the first round. Yeah, so he'll be up there maybe around Booth, uh, maybe ahead of him. Uh, I think he's probably going to be ahead of Booth um, just because I – He's taller, he's got better body, and he's faster. Okay. So I think the potential is better there. Like Kyrie, a little better. McCreary out of Auburn? Uh, McCreary's probably a late second round, maybe gets pulled into the first. He's another guy that's like, there's nothing elite about him, but he's going to be uh, he's going to be consistent. He's going to give you positive coverage, maybe be a number two, maybe slide to the nickel if he has to. Very nice. And then they still had, yeah, Kyler Gordon and Washington pretty high. Uh, gosh, there's a uh, UTSA roadrunner here, Tyreek Woolen. That's fun. <laughs> I don't know enough about him. I can't I can't tell you, unfortunately. No, no. There's so many, yeah, prospects here. So we're getting you uh, just a little uh, window into him, but a little window is, geez, nearly 50 prospects already that we've already discussed. Yeah. And we've got two more positions left to go and there's really only time for one more show so we're going to put them into there dan what is left and what are we going to discuss next time we are going to be talking about pursuit linebackers and uh running backs you know this is not a great year for uh for running backs from Mm. some of the film that i've watched but i haven't dug in on the pursuit linebackers yet so um there's some potential there Uh, guys like nicobe dean could be very interesting yeah a lot of georgia guys coming through you got these drafts where ton of georgia players i mean we've seen again ton of alabama players come out and i think i've probably brought this up on the show before but it's tough for me to get excited about college football when you know that like even though alabama will have you know 15 to 20 prospects get drafted in the first five rounds they still will be very good the next year. You know, they lost all this talent, but they're still awesome. How is that fair? Well, that's Alabama. Yeah, and I mean, the funniest part is when you have a guy that breaks in as a freshman, you know, the way that Stingley did, you go, I got to watch this fucking guy. Um, you know, it's weird. You know who else I was reminded of when I watched Derek Stingley was uh, Arden Key, oh, if sure. you remember Arden Key was a guy that people thought was going to be a top five pick, and then slide, slide, slide. He went, you know, started you having liked problems. Key a lot before I, he was coming I did. out. Yeah, yeah. And then when he came out, I gave him a fourth round grade. Yeah, <laughs> things happen. There you go. Um, well, you got to watch the tape. You know, the the body was fine. I mean, he's it, fundamentally the guy is fucking chiseled. He's six five, two forty. But yeah, you could just see the tape. You know, had plateaued. Yeah, but you're right. Yeah, these. The guys who are near the top of the draft and, you know, the ones you're thinking for 2023 right now, they will be third rounders. (laughs) That's how it works. It's true. Things move around. Well, we have a whole college football season after that, too, before they come out. Um, But we only have, what, we're talking six, five, six days before the start of the 2022 NFL draft. And, no, we might not have any elites, but we have a solid amount of, of studs here coming in that are going to be big positions and uh you know a a good uh heft to this to a team that that needs it and everybody has a chance to get one of these guys and that's what makes the draft fun is you can be a a fan of a, a team that's perennially horrible sorry jets and get excited for a few days of the week of the year in this nfl draft
there's, to me, no reason why any team that has multiple picks in the first round doesn't walk out of the first round with multiple first-round graded players. There's mm. too many good guys in this draft for anybody to need to reach in the first round too high. You know, there's too many good players in this draft for somebody to be like, "Man, fuck it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bet the farm on this random guy that might be a third or a complete bust." No, just take a surefire bet. Don't try to get over sexy. Just take the guy that you know can help you. And with that, do you think we're gonna see a bunch more trades, or will they come up slower? Not so much in the first round. What are you thinking? Um, I think you could. I think especially in the tail end of the first round, if you got guys that you're in love with, you know, a couple wide receivers that you want to come up and get, you know, maybe maybe you don't, maybe you think you're one player away um, from really being competitive, and you think, hey, why don't I give up next year's first? Because I'll be picking in the twenties anyway, and uh, you know, I feel like this guy's got a mid first or a, a top ten grade. Um, there's going to be enough players like that, so I think the tail end of the first round is going to have a lot of trades. Nice. Well, I'm excited. Uh, so, guys, stick it right here. We're going to come back one more time before the draft. We're going to discuss the pursuit linebackers, the running backs, do a little mock draft for you all, kind of give our thoughts on uh, the draft one more time. And then, um, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to have the opportunity to do any type of live thing. We'll see if what we can do for the draft. If not, uh, we'll try to get a show on of a, of a recap at least. We have so many children. <laughs> it's, it's what makes it so tough, yeah. Uh, but we'll be enjoying the draft um, with all of you, I'm sure. Uh, so, yeah, guys, thank you so much for, for listening. That's that's this episode. We're going to keep these uh, going, and uh, see you next time very soon. Uh, but before we leave, Dan, I have a crazy stat for you. Oh, please. Just one, because, you know, we're coming back so fast between these episodes. But here's, a, here's one for this for this week. All franchises... But one has had at least one year where a QB has been able to throw for 4,000 yards in a season. What team has never had a QB do it? Never had a 4,000-yard passing QB? That's right. I know it's. I know the Bears have. Am I, wait, am I crazy? Is it the Bears? <laughs> yeah. It's the Bears. It is the Bears? That was so weird why you said them first. Yeah, why would you think that the Bears had? The, it no, is the Bears. No, I was like. I, in my head, I was like, no, I think it was the Bears. And then I was like, wait, Cutler, Cuddy never hit 4K. Yeah, you really like, never hit 4K or something. Yeah, it was the Bears. So uh, you guys pulled that off the top. And they're one of the oldest franchises. But uh, who came the closest was Eric Kramer with a year of 3,838 uh, passing yards. He came the that closest to the me. Bears. Every, these wide open years. Yeah. Every other team has done it. You know, here's another thing the Jets have only done it once. And it was 1967, so Namath did it in a 14-game season, and then they never did it again. But he threw for 4,007 yards, and that, yeah, that's the only time the Jets have had a QB do it. Wow, that's my crazy stat. Those are the cornerbacks. That's even more prospects for you guys. What more do you want? Oh yes, Dan, please, some parting words of wisdom. I will tell you this 40 time, four. Five, six. That is the 40 time of a cornerback. One of the greatest cornerbacks in the history of the NFL. Richard Sherman. Oh, right. No, Dion (laughs) may have run a (laughs) 4-1, theoretically. But a 4-5-6 is not a disqualifying speed. 
So as you're looking at all these 40 times thinking, oh, 4-5, that's a little too slow. Oh, 4-6, that's a little too slow. Remember, depending on where these guys go, if they get put in a zone scheme, you could still have a very effective corner that doesn't necessarily have that top-end burner stuff. So, you know, take your guy, just... Make sure you know your defensive alignments and get excited about, you know, if you're a zone-heavy team, taking a slow guy every once in a while with good length. It's fun for you. Nice. There it is. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Push-Off Podcast. We're loving these. Uh, We'll see you very soon. I am Scott. And this is Dan. Enjoy yourselves, and we'll see you before the draft. Bye.